Hi, everybody. My name is Louis Extravaganza. And Kim Blackwell. And this is Work, the podcast. Today, we have Anil Chanelta Patel. Yeah! Or should I say Anil Patel, a.k.a. Chanelta Couture. Couture. <laughs> Get it right, boo. Get, Get it, it right. right. Get it right. Yes. And Anil's story is really, really amazing to both me and Kim because this is really a story and a and a path and a journey of redemption and how somebody can take their situations and literally turn them 360 degrees around and come out on the other end being even more fabulous than what they started with. Absolutely. Anil grew up in Trinidad with his grandparents and then came to the U.S. later and then became this like fitness guru right out of UCLA and then became, ended up, sorry, ended up being head of operations for Jeffrey Sanker's White Party, which is one of the biggest circuit parties in the world. And I know you know who Jeffrey Sanker White Party is. And so we are talking to the brainchild of operations here today. Let's give it up for Anil Patel, a.k.a. Shanelta Cardone. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey. How are you? First of all, before we start, I just want to tell you how much I love this podcast. I've listened to every episode. And, you know, even though I've known the both of you for quite some time, I really got to know you a little bit more. You know, Butch Queen first time at the ball. I did not know that about my sister. And and it's just so educational, like the whole thing on Paris is burning and voguing and, and just the different stuff with Eddie, who, you know, I'm friends with him and Kiki as well. And just really getting to know really good things about these people that I love and admire. So thank you for doing this and giving so many a platform. Oh my God. Great. And thank, thank you. you for the support, always spreading love on the internets and the grams, you know, about the podcast, which is awesome. This also speaks to what me and Kim wanted to do. And our original idea for this podcast was to really give a voice to, you know, the voices that go unheard and what better way to start than, you know, with our friends, right? Because we have, we have some awesome friends, as I'm sure every listener out there has awesome friends as well. We have some really awesome and creative friends. And so we wanted just to kind of give them a voice because their, their life paths for me and Kim are, you know, are amazing. Yes. So let's start at um, the beginning, like we do with every guest. <laughs> <laughs> Because we want to know about little baby Anil Patel. So you were born in Trinidad. I was. I was born in Trinidad, port of Spain. Uh, it's the very last of the Caribbean islands right off the coast of Venezuela. And I lived there for a few years. You know, the memories I have are really great. Just getting a chance to grow up with my grandparents who just loved me. I was the oldest grandchild living there. And they just loved me to death. And it was great. You know, I went to school. I was still, you know, getting in trouble chewing gum. I remember my grandfather to come pick me up one day. But it was, you know, it's not like I'm sure it is today. I haven't been back in a while. But it was very what you would imagine living on a tropical island. 
and I loved it. They sent you to San Francisco. How was yeah. that really quickly? It was really interesting because I remember literally just like, oh, my dad came to pick me up. And then we went and spent the night in New York and then came to San Francisco to the house where my mom still lives today. And uh, it was like, here's your little brother. I'm like, oh, OK. And I was like the new kid on the block. And it was like, OK, this is going to be interesting, you know, and it's just I kind of felt like an outsider. Right. You know. And, uh, but th- not the case today at all. You know, you know, kids are so. Yeah. Was it even, uh, I mean, an outside, even with your parents, because you had grown up with your Grandpar- grandparents. Exactly. So yeah. how was it with your mom and dad at it first? It was really awkward, honestly. Um, my dad, you know, God rest his soul, had a, a really struggle with his own demons with alcoholism. So there was a lot of that going on because, I think that's all you know. Like, coming from the Caribbean, there's rum shops on every corner, right? Right. So that's all they know how to do. So I think my dad took that with him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was he was really, uh, I think, harder on me than on most for whatever that was about. Um, so it was a little, it, I just felt like, what am I doing here? You know, right. I just felt like this out kid feeling displaced from what he knew. And I do remember times wishing I was back in the Caribbean with my grandparents and I couldn't know as a child how to voice that. Now that feeling not a part of at that time, because of course of you feel a part of your family now. Absolutely. The whole dynamic yes. has totally changed. But back then, that dynamic of not being or not feeling a part of, was that a catalyst for you to yes, break out, <laughs> yeah, right? Yes. Bre- break out, get away from, like, when you had the chance? Because yeah, you went you to know, UCLA. I, I, I did. So I, I, I really tried to, like, strive, right? I wanted, I wanted something better for myself, especially with, like, seeing how everything that was going on with my dad at times with his, his drinking and, and uh, all of that. Uh, and I just wanted something better for myself. And, you know, um, and truth be told, you know, looking back at everything, I'm just so grateful for everything. I was very much a different kid. Right. Let's put that in quotes. Different. Uh, clearly being gay without even really understanding what that meant at that time. You know, this is the early 80s where yep. all you would hear about when you heard about gay were people that were like dying of AIDS. Like, because right. that's when that whole thing started. So there was no real way to... Uh, or role models even for us to be like, oh, this is who you are, or this is what I am. So, you know, I kind of sort of hid that a lot. And I just wanted to be different, you know. And my dad, you know, got some help uh, when I was in eighth grade. And, um, but I just still knew I wanted something more for myself. And I wanted, I was going to show them, you know, I was never going to be like that. And then I went, uh, I try applied for colleges. I was valedictorian. I went to private school. And uh, so you were valedictorian, which yes. means that you were a hard worker and also probably popular. <laughs> it was a very small school. It was a small school. <laughs> yeah. But yes and yes. You are. Class president, all right. of that, you know, yearbook, blah, blah, blah. It was a very small school, but it was great because it really kept us together. You know, right. most of us are friends on Facebook still. And, um, you know, I think for me, looking back at it, being this gay boy that didn't even know what that meant. It could have been a lot worse if I'd gone to public school, I think, with the bullying and all of oh, that. Yeah. 
And I never felt different. No one ever made me feel different in the school that I grew up in. So, you know, I look back at that. I'm just very grateful for that experience that my parents at least kept me there. Yeah. You know, and uh, at the time we could only apply to like one UC system school. I applied to Berkeley. That's where my dad wanted me to go. I didn't get in. I was uh, diverted to UC Santa Cruz where I went for two years. Oh, that really? was a great experience. Oh, and what was your, what was the plan then? Cause you're valedictorian. You're obviously working hard. What did you think you were going to do? I wanted yeah. to be a dentist. Was, you wanted to be a dentist? Uh, yeah. I didn't know if I really wanted to be a dentist or I wanted to be a dentist for my family. Okay. But that was the goal, right? right? So biology was the major. So I went to Santa Cruz for two years and then transferred and I got into Berkeley and UCLA and UCLA has always just been something for me that like this is where I need to end up. Los Angeles, Hollywood, the stars, the lights, you know. I'm still back at Chanelta Dental Group. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Okay, I'm catching up. Okay. UCLA, stars, go. Yeah, and then then I came here to go to school. I have to tell you, UCLA was the happiest time of my life. I had... It really allowed me to just become a Neil in ways that I never knew. I started doing things, meeting people. You know, most of my friends were cheerleaders there, uh, who I still talk to today. You've met some of them as well, Lewis. And we have just had like such this great friendship uh, over the years. You know, where um, yeah, college life. There's nothing like it. Going to the games, going, just being. Like, you know, even today when I go back to UCLA for whatever reason, I have such a sense of pride for what I have accomplished, uh, you right. know. Yeah. And so all these different people. Now you're meeting people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. You're meeting people of all different ethnicities. And I'm yeah. sure there were gay people. Exactly. Yeah, you know, there, there yeah. were there was a, there was some gay in um, Santa Cruz as well. Okay. And I just felt a sense of ease or comfort. I didn't really identify as gay and there was a lot of girls I were was attracted to I think I was more because I'm like oh my god she's so pretty you know like but I not love the way like, she does her hair <laughs> yeah like yeah you know, the sneakers like, are so cute yeah, yeah but it was like oh you know there there she is um but it wasn't like this I have the hots for her yes kind of thing. and did I didn't you ever know date what, girls no no mm-hmm. You know, I would look at guys and think, wow, they're good looking. Right. But it wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, I want to jump their bones or anything like that. It was none of that. But it wasn't until I got to UCLA and I really started having gay friends that were actually my friends. And we would go out and we were like, oh, you know, I remember I was with my friend Ken and Glenn and we were just like, oh, we're going to go to... um, West Hollywood. I'm like, oh, like, okay. okay. We, I've never Hollywood. been. Let's okay. go. <laughs> we were at Motherlode, and they're like, we have something to tell you. We're gay. And I'm like, okay. And then they just off. And they're like, we also have something to tell you. You're gay. We also have something to tell you. You're gay. To just come out with that part. Have of a it. good night. Yeah. <laughs> Here are your people. Yeah. We're gonna leave you now. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I think it was the right time where you know, like I said, it is not like it was today. You know, it, it wasn't as accepted. Yeah. Even even in in L.A. in a school like UCLA. Right. You know, but I was able to feel comfortable. I don't even know when I actually said the words I'm gay. Uh, I think I just started living this life. Right. And not that anybody was surprised and especially (laughs) with my family. They and, you know, I was so judging how they would judge me without giving them the opportunity to say we're good with this or we're not good with this. Right. 
you know, I just assumed, you know, and I don't know who I thought I was kidding, but like, I even remember like my brother coming to visit me with my cousin Sharmila and they were like, um, we know this is who you are and we love you, you know? And it was so, such a beautiful moment, you know? And my family has always been that way, especially my cousins. But have you ever come out to your parents formally? Yes. Like, did you ever say to your mom and dad, yeah. hey, mom and dad, yeah, this we is can the get situation? To that when we because that's a little bit further down the line. With really? With, so you're it wasn't until I came life. home from um, the gated community that I was in. Oh, oh, my God. Really? That long ago? Yeah. Okay. You're going to be a dentist. <laughs> you're in UCLA. <laughs> and and then a, I'm like. Because that's a shift. Yes. Okay, yeah. But when those lab classes started in organic chemistry, <laughs> I was like, I am D-O-N-E done. And he no. <laughs> Thank you. It was hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like I said, it was the first time I was actually happy and having a good time. And I started going out and Thursday nights in Westwood with the kid. I'm just like, oh, no. So I changed my major from biology to psychobiology because I had all the uh, degree requirements ready for um, the biology. So it would just be more psychology, which is the stuff I love. Psych, abnormal psych, cognitive psychology, all these things that really, I think really helped Anil prepare for living life. Absolutely. Honestly, you know yeah. what I mean? And learning how to relate to people and be that way. And um, and I graduated uh, with a degree in psychobiology from UCLA. And you're thinking 91. you're going to do what? Well, dental school was done with at that point. Right. I was like, <laughs> I'm done. And then it was just like, okay, let me just find a job. You okay. know, so I had a few little jobs along the way. And then uh, during this time, I used to take dance classes over at Voight Fitness and Dance Center, which was on La Cienega. It was like the number one fitness studio. So I would take classes there. I would take classes from um, called Street Jam and City Jam uh, uh, with Chris Toledo. And then, <laughs> did you remember that? Not City Jam. Remember that? Oh, my God. City Jam. In yeah, the that whole, I mean, it's just so the 80s. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was like, like I said, that was when I was really having a great time and I loved to dance and all that. And then I started taking classes with Madonna Grimes, who got, you know, rest her soul, has been such a force in this community. Oh, yeah. You know, with fitness and aerobics and health and uh, such a great mentor. And I used to take her class all the time. And from going from being in the front row of her class, whenever she would travel, I would like start teaching classes. And then I got a job working full-time at Voight at the front desk. I was the manager there for a few years. Okay. And they put me on the schedule. And because of my relationship with Madonna, she introduced me to Reebok. I was a fitness pro. I became um, the manager of their fitness performance team for Southern California. We would have auditions, have a group of like men and women. We would do like performances uh, throughout Southern California at the, like the idea conference and stuff like that. And it was so great. Cause I would literally go to that Reebok store in Santa Monica on main street and literally just pick out anything I wanted. It was just like, just signed off on. And I would, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed teaching. Like it was a time of like, if and all those songs from Janet, you know, yes. and those were the choreography we would teach in our classes. So people would come and I would like do the entire routine and it would it would be a fun, fun, fun time. Are you thinking this is going to be your career path now? Oh, this was my career. Path. Right. Yeah. And so they say, well, do so, you-, you know, my dad, uh, this is an interesting story. He was in town with some co-workers and we were going to dinner with them at the Cheesecake Factory in Marina Del Rey. OK. And what does your dad do? He was an accountant. He was an accountant. OK. And then he said to me, and he said, um, don't 
tell them what you're doing. <laughs> they, they think you're in dental school. And I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. And this is how I'm like, yeah. So even still at 21, things are not the best with my dad. Yeah. And also that very, you know, Indian, that very traditional, this is very straight so, laced yes. account. So I think to- that may have had a lot to do with it because at that time, really, I didn't know any Indian gays. And, you know, right. Whether we lived here or not, my dad comes from a very traditional family. Right. And, you know, that is definitely not something. And especially, I think my mom even had a hard time with the gay thing as well because she went to church a lot. I just know my experience was no one ever shamed me or treated me differently. I was very clear to be this different kid. You know, clearly we know what that is. And uh, no one ever made me feel that was that I didn't belong or fit in. Right. Right. You know, even you never changed the way you I was even like when I came back from my vacation in quotes uh, and reconnected with my family, um, my friend Rochelle, I was telling you about her earlier, her mom, who was my youth pastor's wife, called me and I couldn't recognize her voice. And then she said, you know, and she knew pretty much my journey, what had happened. And she said to me that something I'll never forget. She goes, why didn't you come and ask for help when you were struggling? I said, I was just ashamed for being gay and the life I was leading. And she said to me, she said, do you not know that we love you unconditionally? And I couldn't accept that because I didn't think people would, you know, I was so ashamed of who I was. I didn't give, like I said, my brothers, and my, even though they were like, we're comfortable with who you are. We love you. We want you in our lives. I couldn't hear that, even though I heard it, if that makes sense. Right. Totally. And there's so much, it's so complicated. There's there's so many uh, other things tied up with your family, because even if your parents are cool, they, they just still usually have, you know, that they have a certain expectation. Of course. From you, which probably includes getting married and, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're having, the firstborn, yeah, you know, totally. blah, 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 yeah. you know, all of that. Yeah. And uh, this was not the case. Okay. And right. to some degree, there, you want to live up right. to that. Even even like right before my uh, exit from my family for a few years, um, one of my aunts called me and she goes, just bear with me. I mean, clearly she knew I was gay. Right. And she's like, just bear with me for this phone call. But um, because a lot of Indian marriages are arranged. Yes. And she said, there's this girl. I'm like, are we really having this conversation? And she's like, there had asked me to have this conversation with you. And I'm like, thank you. I I let her speak. I respect. I love my aunt. She's great. She lives in (laughs) Surrey. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, thank you. But I think this is going to be a pass. Yeah. (laughs) She said, got it. (laughs) That's hysterical. Hysterical. They try to arrange a marriage for you. Yeah. And listen, some people do I'm like, it. How much? Some people no. do it. Yeah. <laughs> they go through their life living like this lie, you know, into just to, I mean, it happens all the time. And, but that's what they're used to. And yeah. they just get accustomed to like, they, they ended up falling in love, whether it right. is the case. I, I know my parents were not arranged. My mom, there's very much dichotomy between like the Indian and then the Trinidad Indians. And, right. you know, they're like, oh, you know, they're like <laughs> right. down on my mom. Honey, my mom is fierce. Okay. You're great. That, You're lucky yeah. to have had her. It's like the Haitians and the Puerto Ricans. Exactly. Okay. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. You know, Lewis. Right. Oh, it just brings me back to what Kim said one time. It's just like, how much house are we talking about? It's just like, how much marriage are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> how many gold pieces? How many, many cows? <laughs> I've known gay men who were married to women, yeah. like you know, knowing oh, yeah. they would get like it just becomes this thing where I'm just gonna live this lie and have this yeah. on the side. That so, was not me. Yeah, and they're all know. living in Palm Springs now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, their, that fitness career just kind of took off. Yeah, uh, until it crashed, and you know, I, I was so unf- like so fortunate to. I taught it the 24 hour fitness that was called the Sports Connection. Yep. Then. Oh, the sports. That's right. That was. Yeah, you know, I taught at Voight. I taught at Sports Club LA. That was like the new state of the art uh, workout facility at the yep. time in in the like late early nineties. So I was very lucky. I, I taught at like some of the, the the best, you know, and I was very grateful to have learned from the best. And so know? when you say crashed, do you mean it just in terms of the whole the industry changing? No, I crashed. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So let's get oh, into let's that. Get into a yeah, crash. Okay. you know. So I used to teach at Golds and stuff, and slowly my my classes, you know, I started like going out more than not going out partying, carrying on. Okay, you know, right. What used to be Friday, Saturday, Sundays was now. You know, when I never used to do that, even with my classes, it was more important for me to get rested and come up with choreography and stuff like that. But then, right. as I started going out to like La Fabula for tea dance and this one for, and the probe and this and that, it just became that sparkle for me. It was like, ooh, yeah. let me try this now. And um, you know, as you know, we do partying. Uh, you know, drugs enter the picture. Before I knew it, that's what was really consuming me. Like my classes were suffering. I would be showing up late with attitude, but thinking I was all that. And, you know, it was becoming a, a you know, looking back today, it was becoming a strain, wow. you know, and I got pulled aside like about my classes and I'm like, I'm done. I don't need to teach anymore. I'm good with this. You no. know? <laughs> yeah. And I used to run a fitness gym, uh, Todd Tramps back in the day. Oh, yes. Do you remember Todd? Todd Tramps mm-hmm. on Las yeah. Anago, yes. right? Yep. We threw some parties there in the gym with Madonna and everybody. Oh do you remember God. Eddie DJed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like some Saturday and we did block parties where we did fundraisers with him and Madonna and Martin Henry Studios and yeah, it was a time when it was fun, but then it all went crashing down. I said, as drugs entered the picture, wow. you know, I would work less and less. And you can't really run a fitness facility like that, you know. And had you been straight, meaning like you yeah, weren't using yeah, it up to that nothing, point? Not even really drinking. Wow. Yeah, maybe once in a while. Like I would drink in college like certain times, but it was not to the point where it was a problem. It was problematic at all. Not right. at all. It wasn't until drugs really entered the picture. Okay. And what was your... meth. Okay. That was what I was saying. Come on, Crystal Man. Come on, Tina. <laughs> Okay, Tina, Tina, <laughs> Tina Couture, honey. <laughs> Let's stay up for four days and organize our CD collection. Yes. 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 And clean and ooh-la-las. And, yes. uh, you know, so I started, like, losing jobs. I would like to think I was quitting, but I was being fired. Wow. Right. You know, and then I didn't know what I was going to do for life. So my truth is I started becoming a drug dealer uh, to supply uh, my habit and to make ends meet. But how? does one just become a drug dealer? Yeah, I don't understand Like, that. do you just say to the person you're buying from, like, hey, let's, let, Pretty let, me, much. let me get... Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't okay. need to drop any names, no, no, but we know who they are. Yeah, They're no longer with us. us. God like, rest their soul. But you know what? Yeah. Like I said, it was all fun, you know? Okay, and I right. didn't think... Uh, yes, I knew it was illegal. Yes, I knew it was against the law, but as a grown adult, 
I was under my delusion, let's be clear, right? that, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. This is just not a big, big deal. And I, I really treated that as a job for the most part. Well, let me ask you this, because yeah. you start to, I know you, uh, unlike some people who don't have this very close, you have, you have this village, you, you're very close to your cousins and your family. Right. Are they noticing like something's going on? So they're you? noticing it. We're, we're not talking about it. Okay. My new job was quote unquote tech support. Okay. Yet I'm like featuring <laughs> Versace and Dolce and my the girl my cousins Rita and Sherman are like, we don't know what kind of tech support is styling <laughs> Versace. Gold label, honey. Gold label. Oh my goodness. You know. Uh, and whenever I would see them, I think like the light um, was really going yeah. from Anil because I know because yeah, they know you. I always had a light. Yeah. Yes. You know, and. Um, so they would slowly see that and that connection with my family slowly started diminishing. Wow. Oh no. Yeah. When I'm in my disease of addiction, I don't care. Nothing matters, you know, other than staying high. So when I saw my, my brother, like the few times I would see him, I would give him money to kind of like, oh, this is me sort of like trying to make it better. Yeah. Right. He wanted his brother. He didn't care about that. You know, he wanted his brother. And for me, I was like trying to like, you know, ease my guilt. How much guilt we talking? A lot of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> even, I, could, I was so like messed up. Even like when my brother, the uh, my brother Arvin, who's the, the second brother, was even like when he came to see me and stuff. You know, he's like, oh, I'm or even called to say I'm getting married. You know, I had been so disconnected from my family. I didn't even go to the wedding. Wow. Like, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I met a his shame wife for the what... first time at a cheesecake factory. And I'm like, hi, you know, and it's just looking back at all of that. It's just like, oh, my God, who was that person? Yeah. I don't know. And, and you so... realize what that robbed me of. Yeah. What yeah. that robbed you of, of those the, moments. At the time, you, you can't even. Yeah, yeah. fathom it. it. Yeah, fathom it. Yeah, you you're just like, where's, it, the, yeah. where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the party? Right. So you're doing well financially. You're supporting yourself doing mm -hmm. drugs. You got some celebrity clients. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and not that was name the, we won't drop names. No, but it was very no. interesting. But you're doing, like, you're doing, yeah, and carrying, you know, for the yeah. most part, and you know, so off I went, jet setting, staying at, you know. Every hotel, penthouse here, penthouse there, dropping cash like it was, you know, it was like a scene out of like, I don't even know what, like Hustlers, <laughs> the yeah, movie, maybe. hashtag, yeah. uh, and like, l like living and just spending everything I was making on fabulous couture designer, hence Chanel to couture. Yes. Just being young <laughs> and, and dumb. Yeah. yeah. And just spending money like and having fun and treating right. everybody and, yep. you know, really thinking this was it. But. What was really happening was my life was being so consumed with drugs and alcohol that as much joy that I thought I was living, it was really becoming a dark place. Yes. And I couldn't see that. Right. And also, and, it's no, it's like, this is not finite. It's, I mean, this is not infinite. You've got to think like... Uh, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> no, like maybe save some of this money for a bit, you know, get myself out. Yeah, it's just, you're just living you in the moment. Well, and <laughs> what you thought... Nothing. Yeah, when what you thought was a ways to a means, right? Like, oh, I'll do this right now. Right. And then I'll shift into my yeah. real career, exactly. my real gig in a bit. I just need to pay some bills right quick and get on my feet. Right. Has now turned into... Well, it turned into your career. Yeah. Right. right. And, it, you know, like I said, I, you know, I was very like, oh, professional, ooh, la, la. you know, and there, you know, were a number of arrests along the way. Okay. For? 
you got busted selling drugs. Yeah, someone set me up. Oh, no. And uh, the police lie. <laughs> <laughs> to Shut get up. the search warrant they lied about something the but it was lying. What? Uh, what? <laughs> not corruption but i was let's be clear i was doing illegal things yes and um you know so that became not so smooth anymore yet uh, there was yes. still the money coming in and this and that but it had to be a little bit more difficult now and so you but you're saying arrest so you get arrested and then you get out and continue yeah so the police actually doing. came when i went to new york one year for okay. christmas and uh so i was never there when they came i had to actually turn myself in and when i did that i already paid for the you know the, the attorney and the bail and all that stuff. So I never went to jail. So they came in and searched your house. Ab- they right. broke down okay. the door, broke down the door when I was away, apparently. No. Wow. Yeah. And they found some stuff. And um, yeah. So, you know, hence began the incarceration era. Oh, my God. Of back and Neil. forth. And um, and your family doesn't know any of this is going on. None of this right. is going on. Uh, at least not to my knowledge. I okay. don't know any of this is going on. And right. I had really sort of like really pulled away. Like all these cousins of mine that were like such you know, like sisters and brothers to me had, were having kids and these kids were being born and I knew nothing about none of them. It wow. was like I was meanwhile. so <laughs> you know, Meanwhile, I'm in and out of jail and yeah. being court ordered to rehab and all of this stuff. And that's when it really took a turn for the fun was no longer fun. Yes, it was fun, but it was like not fun anymore. No. You know, and always having to look over your shoulder. Arrests. Yeah. Yeah. And being in and out of jail, you know, and contracting HIV and all this sort of stuff where it really sort of like, you know, okay, the walls are crashing down. Yeah. Just spinning. But I couldn't see it. I was still blaming this one. Oh, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, not, you know, for someone that, you know, prides himself on that UCLA degree that I had, you would think I had some smarts, you know, some street smarts to, you know, live life like that. I could not see the destruction. Oh, well, that listen, I was that's, that's no match for that uh, meth psychosis. Yeah. Listen, mm. you'd be thinking you're like, you know, uh, president of the whole. Yeah, the world. Yeah. Living. <laughs> the universe. Come on, Trump. <laughs> okay we went there yeah so then all of that was going on and then it you know and then you know being hospitalized a few times because of my health and almost going blind and none of that thinking that the drugs were a problem okay so what finally slaps you and says enough Yeah. yeah so in 2006 uh there was one last arrest okay and um and it was like an arrest like no other, just like any other day. Right. <laughs> just like the last Just five. like the last 520. No, yeah. um, but what was interesting in this last arrest, I think I was actually ready to be done. The Chris, It was in January. So in December, I called my, my family f- for Christmas. And it was like, hi, Merry Christmas. And I was passing the phone around. And I remember my cousin, uh, Sharmila, she didn't live too far from me. And I said, hey, when you come home, Let's get together. I really want to see you. And in my heart, I wanted to tell her everything. And I knew that that's what that conversation was about. And I'm sure for her, it was another one of Anil's. Oh, here he goes again. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. You know, because there have been so many empty promises. I'm going to come visit, you know, my cousins in Orange County that live there now. I'm going to come visit the kid, you know, my nephew, Sean, when he was being born. I couldn't even make his birthday party. Like all these things looking back at today, like... I had every intention of really probably meaning what I was saying, but my addiction and disease and craving for drugs took over. 
and none of them mattered. And that's hmm. the truth. You know, so that last time and we're leaving to go to jail and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be like anything else. And then the, the two female undercover officers stopped and asked me a question and they said, how does they saw my UCLA degree on the wall? And they said, how does that person become this person? Wow. And I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. So I was like, oh, whatever. And then after going to court and this and that, and there was like, that was a second strike. And they're like, look, we're going to put this all in one case and you're going to end up going to prison, which is, was the game changer. Oh my God. Wow. So and you're looking at real serious hard time. time. Yeah. Chino Institute, California yeah. Institute. Not for jail, men. prison. Not there yeah. is a, central. There yeah. is a, there is a, a difference, big, there, ladies and gentlemen. The state pen, Hilaire, where at that time there was a lot of like race riots and this and that. It was, it was, you would hear about it in jail, how awful and scary the times were there. And yeah. that was my destiny. Ooh. And Ooh. in prison, they asked me again, my counselor, who I feel was like a God shot moment with an angel being sent down to protect me. When I finally met with this counselor after six weeks of being in a maximum four level yard with murderers and rapists and me, it got real, real quick. You Ooh. know, being able to shower three times in the six weeks, oh. having a razor once to shave in six weeks. It was it was like, I really felt like a caged animal. I had a lot of time to think what had happened. And she asked me the same question. And we, we sat for two and a half hours in her office. Normally she doesn't in take in 20 minutes. And we sat and we talked and we talked and she moved me out of that dorm that day to a level two yard. And within a week I was on a level one yard, which means there's classes, there's school, there's, you can walk around, you can actually be outside and see the light. I hadn't seen the light in a long time. And you're also now, obviously, because you've been in this a lot, you're sober, you've like... Yes. Yes. And not really knowing what that meant. I just haven't had drugs in me. But yes. I started, you know, going into recovery. Yes. There, in jail of all places, That's prison. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And thankfully, you had an advocate, you know, you had somebody that could see, okay, this is a person who... Given the chance, right, can get their shit together. How long were you at level four? So I was there for six weeks. So I, I was in. I got arrested in January. From January to May, I was in Men's Central Jail on Bouchette Street. Oh, I know. I'm going to visit my brother there next week. Oh, hey, girl. <laughs> By the way, don't even get twisted. <laughs> yeah, I know it well. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Got my fifty cents for my locker outside. Okay, two quarters. I yeah. just, I love you <laughs> yep. so much. Yep. I can't. So I was there till like May, and right. then I went to Chino in from May. So for six weeks, I was in level four, and then by then I was on the level one yard. Like within two weeks after that, and yeah. then I was released October 9th. 2006. Wow. And so do you start going to meetings? Like, how do you decide? You so I started going to meetings this? in right. the prison and I would okay. go to church in the prison and right. they really gave me a sense of like, <gasps> like calmness from yeah. that, that insanity, right. you know? And I just was myself there. I really just brought Anil to being me, you know, there's no handbook for prison. There's a lot of stuff you ha can and can't do. And you just have to learn quickly. It was you know, I look at it today like, oh, it was this, it was that, but it was really hard. It was really, really hard and really, really scary, especially okay. in that level four. Quick question. What was your f worst experience in jail and what was your best experience in jail? If there is a best yeah, experience. Absolutely. The worst experience, it was like when you first get there, they classify you. They're like, who are your friends? I said, most of my friends are white. I hang out with 
most of my friends are white. So it's either white, Mexican, as in Latino, or gangbanger Mexican, or black. <laughs> there's subcategories. Yeah, there's Whoa. something. I forgot what they call them exactly, yeah. but those were the different sort of. Right. Uh, so they were going to put me with a white person, and then they were like, um, he was more of like a skinhead Aryan sort of. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want no faggot in here. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and I was God. like, oh, my God. And because of that, they kept moving me around. So I got beat up one day because one day they put me with the blacks. The next day they put me with the Mexicans and the Ugh. whites. And I didn't know. The officers should have known better. Yes. So I gotten beaten up because I was with the wrong race. Oh, God. And so that was really sort of like that was like a literally wake-up call. Oh, wow. no. And I think one of the best experiences of prison was was actually starting to go to church in AA and work. Like I was, um, a, 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 I assisted one of the teachers that did a class as people were getting ready to leave to teach them how to study to take their driver's license. It's also not just prison, but it's also supposed to be a rehabilitative thing. Right. So they, they get people ready. So since I went to school, I had a degree. You know, I was making 19 cents an hour which was one of the higher paying jobs in prison. Wow. And wow. Uh, yeah. And so that was a nice thing. They need to get out, go watch. They had a TV in the room. It was air conditioned. I had a little fridge to put my store. So, you know, little things like that really just sort of like made it worth it. And you were clever in ways where because you had that job. And I know this because Anil told me these stories before, because I'm fascinated by prison stories don't ask me why i just am it's not like oz but let's it's not like <laughs> Oz. but you started to make friends in a different i mean you started to make friends in a really unusual way tell yeah. us about yeah. tell us about that so you know i was just being me right i worked in a classroom they had, they had newspapers and what i would do is like when i would come back for lunch i would literally bring three papers one for each race and pass them out to the head of each race just because I had access to papers, they didn't. And just by doing a simple act like that, each race made sure nobody would bother me. Like, you know, sometimes I would be harassed. They made sure that nobody messed with me. Like, nobody messed with me. Or some of the, there were some, you know, transgender women on the yard as well that I was considered being, after the whole being beat up, one minute, one minute, they just classified me as black. So I would only bunk black. I would only be able to consider like I could watch from the black TV, but it was a little different being gay when you were on the minimum yard, but all the transgender black women made sure that nobody in my dorm messed with me. Like they would always look out for me. Yeah. But just me being me without really having to do anything, you know, there was another um, gay person in my, I was in the worst dorm ever <laughs> South dorm. And uh, she and I really got along and, you know, we just, we, you have, you build these friendships where you just, you know, watch TV. I got to watch the series finale of Charmed and Alias, my two favorite shows, <laughs> in prison. In prison. <laughs> yeah. But you so. got a, you also got a nickname. What was your nickname? Oh, so they used to call me Headlights at first because my eyes were so big. <laughs> And then they yeah, used to probably emaciated from all that meth. Well, and I mean, coming into that situation, right? You're like a deer in yeah, headlights. Yes. And then, um, and then I used to buy ice cream for everyone at store. So the guy running the commissary was gay. So I didn't have to sit out in that 120 degree chino heat, wait to get called. I would be the first one called to shop. So I always had money and stuff on my books, and. Um, I would buy ice cream like for people like, Oh, I would can like little popsicles to everybody. So they started calling me ice cream was my next nickname. <laughs> I love it. Hi, ice cream. So literally your ice cream bought the boys to the yard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, I was waiting for that. Uh, Boom. Yeah. And then I got out and then I just realized, uh, maybe that, that the drugs in the situation were a problem. Yeah. And my attorney had said to me, he said, look, when you get out of this, do what they ask you to do and complete it. And that was very loud in my ear because I did not want to go back. There's a cycle of in and out, in and out. Oh, yeah. And I did not want that to be my story. If I'm going back, I'm going back on my terms. And, right. You know, so I called a friend of mine, Jim, and we he took me to my first meeting. And that's where I, I met. I saw so many people that I knew that I used to deal drugs to or whatever that were in my circle before that were sober. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, people that that are in my life today that I'm so grateful for. It was just the right place at the right time. Yes. And I was just finally like surrendered to this was my life. Was it hard for you at first to stay sober? No. You had noticed that you were done. Done, done, yes. done. I still continued working in the clubs. Okay. Carrying on like that first weekend and no desire, no desire. Another God shot. God had lifted that obsession to use for me. Okay. Thank you. Yes. And so what are you thinking you're going to do now with your life? Well, you know, I moved into a sober living that my good friend Manny owned. And I lived there for four years. And this is Manny Rodriguez who runs La Fuente Recovery Center, or is it? A- La Fuente Hollywood Treatment Center. But back then it was known as La Fuente Sober Living. And we had Manny on the work podcast. Oh, awesome. Yes. Yeah. So I'd known Manny from obviously Temple and Pump Days when I used to go out and carry on and live. And when I saw him at the meeting, and I, I had forgotten that he was sober, and I knew he was sober. Right. Um, and he said, hey, I have this thing. And so I just naturally moved in there. And then just so began, like, this new lease on life. Yes. yes. You know, and second, I love how these yeah. life paths continually, like, come full circle, cross. Like, that's just evidence for me that there is, you know, a power greater than myself looking you know looking out for us right yeah. because all of this could have went way differently way different for you know for you for me for manny for, for who, so many know, people for so and, many you know, people yeah and like you said that just became a way of living for me going to meetings doing this doing those jobs on the side and then i got my first sober, sober job working at a candle shop for a few years well like, like 11 years so that became my job and then um i started uh i ran into jeffrey sanker and um he was like, I don't even recognize who you are because he'd known me from going and attending White Party for years, you know. Right. And uh, he was and like, this is wow. Jeffrey Sanker, who is Jeffrey Sanker's White Party. Like, this is his party. Baby, yes. Yeah, so this, this is, is his thing. And he says, I need you to come work for me uh, if you're able to do so. You know, and that was in my first White Party working uh, was 2007. And I was handling talent, running the dancers and then like uh, the whatever talent we had. Right. I think it was Khalees that year. And then every year since then, it's been a little bit more and more. Uh, I would come in starting in like January, prepping things and then really handling talent and executing, you know, and. And we should talk about that. It's no small thing. The white party, we should just describe what is the white major. So it's, it's literally the largest gay dance party in the world, in my opinion. And we do it in Palm Springs. Uh, it used to be around Easter weekend, but it's in the spring now with Coachella and Stagecoach and everything going on. It's usually the same weekend as Stagecoach. And it's a wonderful, you know, sometimes things like this get branded a bad name, but I think circuit party, partying, this and that. I said, clearly, obviously, I'm not involved in something that's all about that. We really bring other things. We bring in yoga. We bring in wellness. We bring in, you know, uh, the Desert Aids Project and Impulse, which are harm reduction sort of stuff come in and, and are 
actively involved as well. So we allow people to have a good time, but also a safe time. Yeah, and so like, it's really I mean, like a festival. It's like yes. a big festival. And it's festival. like, it's a three, three Friday, of- Saturday, Sunday, right. seven parties. And we carry on, honey. And we bring, we have fun, even though, you know, most of us are working, but we carry on and dance and live. And there's a fabulous outdoor tea dance. You know, it's just, it's a really, really fun, fun time. Pool parties, performances, you know, and now I'm the director of operations for the past two years. Wow. That, for me, also just speaks to what you brought to the table to that party, right? Right. So, it was already a famous party when for years, Jeffrey Sanker. 31 years, this uh, 2020 would be our Yeah, so it had already been this staple, fabulous party, you know, when you entered the scene. And now it's all so due to Jeffrey. Obvious. Let's be very clear. He oh, is the yeah. mastermind and the brainchild oh, of yes. all of that. And Absolutely. he just has so much amazing visions. Yes. And, you know, and I'm grateful that I get to help execute that. Yeah. Today. And I can't wait to interview him for our podcast. Oh, wink, I'm sure wink. he would love that. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> Absolutely. Love, we yeah. love, we love Jeffrey Sanker. And actually he has an amazing, amazing story as well. But back to my point was, it was, yes, branded this kind of circuit party where people like go and, It was very hedonistic and stuff like that. But you came and really added another facet to this party and really made it a festival, right? Really put it in this festival category of like shifting in the party. But I think with Anil being a a part of that and me bringing my sober element to it and having all of that, it just really kind of helped shape some dynamics of it, right? Like behind the scenes, you know, bringing in my crew of friends to help, you know, work with the, like the former director of operations and, and other people like that to really help work more collectively as a unit. Yes. Which I and think this was, is, was missing for years. And this is a year round thing because you're booking talent, you're doing, it isn't just like. Right. And not only do we have white party Palm Springs now, we do white party Puerto Vallarta. Oh. Four times a year. Four times a year? Yeah, at Mantamar um, Beach Club. Okay. It is the most fabulous beach club in Puerto Vallarta. How long have you guys been doing Puerto Vallarta? Oh gosh, a couple years now. Um, but we do it over Thanksgiving. Okay. We do it over New Year's. We do it over President's Weekend and Gay Pride. And Gay Pride, Puerto Vallarta, if you haven't been, you need to go. It's so amazing. It's so beautiful. The parade is on a Thursday night, and it literally comes through the entire town as the sun is setting. And just seeing families and abuelas and, you know, kids. And it was fantastic. That's awesome. There's such yeah. a good vibe, good energy in Puerto Vallarta. Have you been to Puerto Vallarta? You guys I have ha- to go. I have been to Puerto Vallarta. I have not been during Gay Pride. Yeah, it's just and Jeffrey such has a club great there people there. Now called Industry, which is fabulous. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So have you seen it? Because you've been doing it since how long? What year did you start? 2007 was my first year. Work. 2007, yeah. So 12 years. Have you seen, when we talked about like in the beginning, the party was, I think, more the hedonistic partying yes. drugs. Right. Have you seen it change the crowd, change the sort of vibe, change over the years? Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, there's still a variety of people. I, I really, for me, I really love the tea dance because I see a lot of familiars. Yeah. It's an outdoor party. It's fun. It's like a full kiki. And you, you see people and you know, I think it's coming back to where people are actually enjoying themselves on the dance floor. Right. Again, and just having fun, you know? Yeah. Especially at that party. It's just a lot of fun. And we, 
carry on. Like I said, the, uh, my staff, even though we're working, we laugh. And it's just like, even though we're exhausted from the long hours, it's such a fun, fun time. And not to mention, you know, having some great, amazing performers, you know, over the years. We've yeah. Like who have you had? Pre- Kylie, amazing. Mary J. Blige, you know, Ariana Grande, Animatronic. My favorite that I've worked with was uh, Lady Gaga. You know, she was so sweet and kind and, you know, a, a celebrity of her stature. And, you know, the, what I remember the most about her is like she was doing her sound check and we were walking back to show her a dressing room. And she said to me, she said, excuse me. I'm like, hello. I'm like, yes. And she's like, I have some more friends coming tonight. Is it possible I get a few more bottles of wine uh, for my dressing room? And, and please feel free to take it out of my pay. And oh, I'm just my God. Like, like what? So kind. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, she can have anything she wants, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even like, you know, after and we take did it her- out of her pay. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. But even then we did a meet and greet and she was like, she was such a professional with everything, you know, and you yeah. hear that about her. Absolutely. And that has not changed. I mean, you know, this was probably well before, you know, it was during Poker Face and all of that really before the monster became Gaga's monster. And, um, but you know, you still hear today how she is like that kind and yeah. And, and I can say that's my experience with her has been, it was just so like- surprising like oh my stephanie yeah yeah and she was really great and even like her her team security team came to me after and said she just wanted me to personally thank you she goes that was the smoothest like meet and greet we've ever done at the wow t- so uh, you know and that just makes me feel proud of what i do absolutely it's a well-oiled machine over there at the white party that's right i love that you've one worked with a lot of celebrities over the years with white party Two, I love that the door crew that you bring in and a lot of the crew that you bring in from Los Angeles are people who are sober. Yeah, like so, 90% of the people that work for me are sober yeah, over so the weekend. You're almost it's one less stress I don't have to worry about. Right, because honestly. nobody is getting exactly. inebriated <laughs> yes. during their shift. And, right? you know, I think part of being an effective leader is having an effective team, right? Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, I've learned that from Jeffrey, obviously. Yeah. And people like Manny, the people that I admire that are in my life today that I've worked with, and I see what they have to support them. And I try and bring that, whether I'm involved with White Party or La Fuente, because I still work there part-time, or when I do like service uh, commitments for different organizations that I raise you know, awareness for, whether it's in recovery or... Uh, for AIDS research or whatever that I do, always having a great support to our, whoever's leading makes a big difference. And yeah, I bring I that mean, into that as well. It's crucial. And it's top down, your energy and your commitment and focus and all of that comes, you know, and it's, it's things it's I don't need to worry about. If Lewis totally. is handling talent, I don't have to worry about is so-and-so showing up or da, 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 da. Yeah. If, if someone's, you know, my friend Robert or Jeffrey running the door, they have that covered. I don't need to second. I can focus on bigger pictures. This permit ne- wasn't filed properly. Oh, let me go handle that. The fire marshal needs that all the bigger things I can focus on and not worry about the little things. And so we mentioned La Fuente and now you work there part-time. What yeah, do you, I'm what the do you alumni do? chair and 12-step advisor. I've okay. been doing that for since we opened the treatment portion. So I'm there like three days a week. I uh, had the alumni, which is a, it's one of the biggest things that La Fuente offers is our alumni program. And I think the more connected you are once you leave treatment, 
the more you're giving yourself a chance to stay sober. And it's been proven most of our alumni are still sober from the time they've come in. They have commitments at the meeting. They come back regularly when we have dinners, things like that. They participate. Uh, last summer, we raised $25,000 for the LGBT Youth Services Program oh God, at the Gay and awesome. Lesbian Center, all spearheaded by alumni. And uh, yeah, so it's like, when we can do those things and give back to our community, it gives you more of a fighting chance to stay sober, you know, and I'm proud of what, what Manny has created there. I'm so proud to be a part of that as well. Yeah. And seeing the growth, like from the yeah. sober living house and just to, to watch others center. come after me, you know, yeah. I'm like 13 and a half years, uh, sober now and part of that but to watch the the newbies come in and that have like four years and five years and six years that have followed me in uh living their lives and becoming future leaders and taking it upon it's great to watch it's so empowering yeah and just fulfilling work you know what message do you have for people who are or for people who are coming up you know on the come up what advice do you have for people who might want to do what you're doing just be true to yourself you know what i mean and and go into things with the right reasons you know it's not about doing this to get popular or doing that to get popular. If that's what you want and that's your focus, that's one thing. Chances are, if you go into it with a pure heart and really want to do the best job possible, whether it's in recovery or at, you know, in the club scene or whatever, if your heart is in the right place, chances are you're going to succeed more and easier. And we should bring into the conversation uh, the one and only Chanelta. Yes. <laughs> I love that because you now have gone through this journey, right? So we've spoken about you growing up in Trinidad with your grandparents and your family, going to UCLA, and then, you know, your dark time and then coming out of that, you know, coming out of the dark. Oh, he had and, to do uh, it. Yes, you know, I had to, right? <laughs> and uh, working for Jeffrey, where does Chanelta fit into all of this? Well, <laughs> she was first a he. <laughs> <laughs> and in my partying days, we were watching, what were we watching, Lewis? Oh, I don't know. Some really random, obscure movie. I think it was called Truth or something. I don't Truth remember. Truth or Dare. I think it was like Madonna's blonde ambition behind the scenes. And I was with my crew that I would hang out and party with at the time. And um, we were watching it. And there was a scene in there where Madonna was in uh, the Chanel store. And she picks the phone up and, and answers the phone and She's like, hi, can I help you? And the girl's like, I need a sales girl stat or something like that. And Madonna goes, what's your name? And she goes, Chanelta. Chanelta. Chanelta needs a sales girl now. <laughs> and my friends are like, girl, that's your name. We're going to call you Chanelta. So hence, Chanelta Couture was born because we used to call ourselves the House of Couture. Okay. Nothing like Ball House. Or it was just like our right. girls or right. my friends, David right. and Rob and Gucci Face and Laquisha Lee Jackson and Lauren Foster. We were just like these kids that would hang out and go to the clubs together and we just called ourselves the Coutures. So hence Chanel Couture was a personality. So when I would work in the clubs and stuff before I got sober, everyone, a lot of people didn't even know my name was Anil. They would just call me Chanelta. <laughs> really? Yeah. So That's it's awesome. funny now that Chanelta has now become this drag persona. Yes. That right. people are like, like some of my friends from New York, when they saw Chanelta, they're like, when did he become she? You know, it was, <laughs> it was pretty fun. And in my recovery is when, cause I never really did drag before, um, until I got sober 
And, uh, you know, my friend Jeffrey Drew pulled me in to do my first uh, be- benefit show, Hot and Dry, um, poolside show. And I was even like, oh, you know, I don't really do drag. I just, I can probably help stage manage and more behind the scenes. And then he said, oh, no, 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 we're getting you in this. And, you know, and then it just became this persona for me, which I have so much fun doing it. I don't do it all the time, but I do it enough where I'm happy with it. I want to leave them wanting more. And it's just so much fun. Best in drag for me, uh, this annual fundraiser is my heart. You know, I've been involved with that since 2007 as well. It's part of the Alliance for Housing and Healing, formerly known as Aid for AIDS. And we raise so much money. Yes. And that organization, I believe, gives 96 cents for every dollar towards client services. Which is extraordinary. Yeah. And we've raised millions of dollars over the years. And, uh, you know, um, it's just something that I'm so connected with, not just because you get to perform, I love the rehearsal aspects. I love getting together with the girls and having a full kiki and laughing. And even though it's late, late night rehearsals, it's so much fun. You connecting and bonding with your sober family or non-sober family. Just those moments are really, really, really special. Since I've gotten sober, I hate keeping bringing that up, but so many things have been given to me, like my family back, all these things, you know, relationships that I thought were lost, you know, uh, moments like this, being this you know reconnecting with like friends like lewis and you all of you for that matter and getting to have fun new memories you know uh who would have thought you know not me at all that was not my intention you know i thought i was going into jail that last time thinking oh i'll be out in a month yeah i think god had a different path for me absolutely yeah that's awesome i just love 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 your story i love how you went from this again kid in trinidad to this you know high stakes hustler to this really like just spiritually evolved being who runs a really hot dance party and then gives back you know this person that gives back and for me i think that's what's important and i know for kim as well you had asked me earlier about you know what words like i could offer and as we talked about this i think like uh the fact that i just show up today You know, I thought I was showing up, but I wasn't. I get to show up today and so many things unfold. I don't go into it with like, oh, I'm going to do this so I can get this. You know, I was honored by the city of Los Angeles as one of their volunteers of the year a few years ago. I don't do these things to get these awards. You know, it's nice. It's nice to be recognized and I can own that today. I had a hard time with that before. I just know that in my heart, it's the right place to do things. And, uh, And I'm so grateful that I get to, whether it's showing up for family today, you know, the best amends I can make to my brothers and my cousins is just to show up to my mom, all of it, you know, and be there. Well, I think that's the thing, too, of people we've had on the podcast and just what we love about this platform is just the authenticity. That's the thing. Just be yourself. People who think they don't have anything to offer. You do. You're your own unique person with your own perspective and story and experience and you know, that's really the key to it. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank Anil. Anil. AKA Headlights. AKA Ice Cream. AKA Chanel Time. I'm saying all the nicknames, honey, all the nicknames for coming on our show. It's really a privilege and an honor to hear your story. And I'm really grateful that you shared it with me and Kim today. So thank you. Thank you so much. But before we leave, you know what we got. 
the work of the week. The work of the week. What's your work of the week, love? Well, my work of the week, thinking about it leading up to this, uh, you know, talking about something positive and uplifting. I want to talk about it's for the children of our future and it's for my nieces and nephews the few, who range from one year to 21 years old. And, you know, that's our future. And just the love that I have for these kids and the love that I feel from these kids, every time I see them, I am so overjoyed that I get to experience them. And with them, change comes for what's in store for our future. So they are my work of the week. Oh, Uncle Anil. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you bring up a really important idea here, Anil, because this episode is going to air on Thanksgiving. And what I hear from you is this sense of gratitude, right? Yes, totally agree. Um, So I am going to have my work of the week in that same spirit. And express my my little gratitude. <laughs> um, I'm actually really grateful that my daughter is happy. Um, you know, as, as a as a mom, that's all you want when you when you have that and your kids are happy. It's everything. So she actually had her performance of Matilda yesterday. She played Lavender in Matilda. Oh, I love that. Yes, and she was so excited to have her teacher. Miss Hannah Sandvold, shout out to Miss Hannah Sandvold. She really is one of those teachers that you're gonna always remember. You know, they love her. And she um, came to the show and she brought her roses and chocolates for the two girls that were in the class. She was like, they've been reminding me all week, every 10 minutes, like, are you coming? Are you coming? She came the night before her birthday and they were so excited. They were like little fans. She was I like, know. oh, hey, mom, uh, Miss Anvil. They're all just <laughs> like, so yeah. I love that. That's my work of the week. Uh, well, then I'm going to do the same thing. I think my work of the week is also going to be on gratitude. And I'm just grateful, first of all, of course, for just my family and my friends. But I'm really actually grateful, guys, of what we're doing this work podcast i love and i'm so grateful for this idea coming to fruition i love and grateful for miss kim blackwell and our man behind the scenes david newendorf our producer who tries to be all incognito you guys yeah he tries to be incognito but he is very neato Yes, he's very needed and very neato, and I'm just grateful, and I just want to thank you guys for making this just awesome, because I'm having an awesome time, and I hope you guys out there are having an awesome time as well. So, again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Anil. Thank you, Anil. And also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, because that's how we keep doing what we do. Yes, subscribe, rate, and review. Ooh, I like those. Yes, on Apple Podcasts. That would be fantastic. Happy Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.